This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I know we moved forward last week from verse number 11 in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, but there's a thought or two that uh, lingers on, and I want to go back and, and, and hit on this just for a minute as we uh, continue the study. And so if you found the place, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we will revisit verse number 11 real quickly. Look with me carefully. The scripture says this, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be repetitious uh, with, with the uh, spiritual truths that we've thus uh, far studied. I will reiterate this one thing that last week we were talking about, the difference between the unpardonable Sin and the sin unto death. Two different things. And the reason why we were teaching on those two subjects, again, is this statement here, an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We talked about that if a person goes to heaven, it is going to be through the blood of Jesus. It's in Christ and Christ alone. And uh, that is, uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, not a way, but he is the way, the only way. I did emphasize in the teaching that uh, even though we go through the blood, we go by the Lord Jesus, we go in Christ and Christ alone, uh, we will not all arrive the same. We will go the same, but we will not all arrive the same. I've spent three weeks on that. But what I wanted to show you in the way of illustration tonight before I completely get out of this verse, I'd like for you to look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10, because I want to show you what, what I'm talking about here. And this, this passage of Scripture really gives you a clear perspective of what I'm talking about. We will all go through the blood. We will all go through Jesus. We will all go through Christ and Christ alone. It's not of works. I've showed you Scripture after Scripture. Paul said, not of works of righteousness, which we have done. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 talks about, for by grace you are saved through faith. So it's not about the works that you do. It's not about the prayers that you pray. It's not about the money that you give. It is through the grace of God. And who qualifies for that? For God so loved the world. So every every person has ever been conceived is a candidate for everlasting eternal life. Now, but this verse right here, is in comparison of what I'm trying to teach you. And that is, we will all go the same, but we will not all arrive the same. Paul is writing this scripture here, and he says, look at it very carefully. For Demas hath forsaken me. Demas was a comrade. He was, he was uh, a helper. He, he was a, a team worker. Uh, he was uh, in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and uh, he, he traveled with Paul, and he helped and assisted him in, uh, in his work that he was doing. However, something really rocked the world of Demas. And so Paul writes here, he says, for Demas hath forsaken me. Look at this. Having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Malsia. Now, I want you to think about this, because I'm not going to judge Demas. I'm not going to say this man was not really a Christian. 
Uh, I'm not that spiritual. I'm not going to judge his spiritual uh, future and uh, his position. I'm not going to do that. However, if we can conclude this one way or the other, but for the sake of conversation and teaching tonight, for Demas hath forsaken me, assuming that Demas was, in fact, a true believer. Let's just assume that for a moment. He could have been like Judas Iscariot, for all we know. Uh, but assuming that he, giving him the benefit of the doubt, assuming that he was a believer, something rocked his world that caused him to do exactly what Simon Peter did prior to the cross. Do you remember what the scripture said? Peter followed afar off. Peter had made the proclamation, the declaration, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll go, I'll go to death for you. I'll go to jail for you. That's not what he did. For Demas, Paul is saying, for hath forsaken me. Something rocked the world of Demas that caused him to turn around, to get out of the ministry. Because Paul is not talking about a leave of absence here. He's talking about an abandonment. For Demas hath forsaken me. This is not the situation that Paul had with, with John Mark. It, it, there is no other place in the scripture that compares Demas to John Mark. Paul, in the latter years of his ministry, he spoke these words, communicating with Luke. He said, listen, you bring John Mark with you. He's profitable for the ministry. But that's not the case with this man. So, but assuming, give him the benefit of the doubt, assuming this man was a true, a, a true believer, something rocked his world, turned him around, and Paul specified what that was. He said, having loved this present world and is departed. So here, here's the thing that I want to teach you tonight, and that is this. Assuming this man was truly saved, Okay, so they both experience death. They both will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, assuming he's saved. Now, my question is this. Who will have the greater reward? So you see, we, we, if Demas went to heaven, he went the same way Paul went. He went by God's grace through the blood in Christ and Christ alone. He went the same way. But he didn't arrive the same way. I, I say all of that because I hope you really get this thing really clear that um, here's, here's, the, here's the point. A lot of people are content. I know tons of them. You probably know tons of them. People are content with making a very simple profession of faith. And they, they can tell you, yeah, I remember the time. I, you know, I don't remember too much about it. And, and I talk to people today, grown people today. When I ask them, I, I have interviewed people for uh, teaching, working positions in, in our school faculty. And I've asked them, I said, tell me about your salvation experience. I've stopped asking people predominantly, are you a Christian? No, nobody's ever told me I'm an infidel. 
No, no, people don't do that. Everybody says they're a Christian. I mean, I probably maybe less than a dozen times in my life have met people that have told me they don't believe in God. But the thing is this, a lot of people will tell you that they are a Christian, and if they are truly a Christian, given the fact, let's just assume again, this man was. Here's the thing. There are, the, the world is full of people with professing believers who are content with simply a profession of faith, period. And they leave it at that and very comfortably. But tonight I want to challenge you with something, and I want to bring it uh, up close and personal. Because once we make a profession in Christ, it's, it's one thing to say, I know the man. But it's another thing to live for him and to serve him, to be consecrated to him. So there's a difference between making a profession of faith and taking possession of that faith. And so when, when we are truly saved, the fruit of the Spirit is not stagnant. It doesn't get stale. It doesn't dry on the, on the vine. When we, we get saved... That there, there is an admonishment from the Apostle Paul, and it's summed up in four words. I want you to hold your place here in Second Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, and I want you to get this scripture quickly on the screen tonight. Time is of the essence. And so I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1, because once a person has, has made a profession in Christ and that profession has really germinated, it has really taken... Uh, it seriously in that person's life, and a person takes possession of that faith. There are four words that uh, we need to be focused on as a believer. And and uh, Paul, I believe, who wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, gives us these four words. Let me read it for you. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, and here are the four words, let us go on. You say, what, what do you get out of that preacher? Now, this is very simple. Look at it. Let us go on. These are four important words that should follow salvation. In other words, let us get busy. Let us start working. Let us, let us uh, put our hands to the plow. Let us get really serious. Let us go on. Don't stop right here. Don't get stale. Don't get stagnant. But let us go on. Let us learn all we can learn. Let us serve all we can serve. Let us do all we can do. Let us go on. Do not stop at the cross. The cross doesn't end it for us. That's where life begins. And so it's important that our Christian life is growing and that we are productive so going back now to uh, 1 Peter or 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, by the way, while you're turning back to that location, it, you can look at the uh, children of Israel for an example to what I'm talking about tonight because if you remember correctly, multitudes of them were content to settle for the wilderness side of the, of the Jordan. That's where they were content, the wilderness side. Uh, but that's not where... God had intended for them to be. All right, so now let's, let's press on. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 12. Look at this. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. Peter's writing. 
I will not be negligent, irresponsible, is basically what he's saying. I'm not going to be sluggish in my task. He said, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though you know them and be established in the present truth. Now, what Peter's talking about in verse number 12 is the importance of repetition. D.L. Moody, one of the greatest preachers that ever walked on this planet, said this, that repetition is the greatest teacher of all things. Repetition. You remember the old hymn of the faith we sing? Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Repetition. And I have really cherished that in my ministry. I like to say things over and over and over again. I want us to get it. All right, now, the word negligent, if you look at this passage, it means careless. And Peter is saying, I don't want to be careless. I don't want to be reckless. I don't want to make light of it in any way. I want you to get it. Now, moving on to verse 13, and I have to really wrap this up here in a minute, but this is what he says. Peter speaking, he says, yea, I think it meet. Now, I want you to underline that word because I want to teach you tonight what this word meet means. This is not talking about uh, beef in a, in a store. That's not how it's spelled either. But I want this, it's not a meeting place. But look at this. Yea, I think it meet. As long as I am in this tabernacle, Peter is saying, as long as I am alive, he says, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Okay, this word meet means to be righteous. Or it's translated to do what is right. So that's what he's talking about. Peter, he wanted believers to rehearse the scriptures over and over and over again. And he wanted to be righteous with it. He wanted to do what was right. All right, so I've got time to uh, go to verse number 14 tonight. And well, let me mention, yeah, let's, let's go to verse number 14. He says this, Knowing that I shortly must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus hath showed me. Now, we've talked about this on a couple of occasions. The Lord Jesus himself told Peter in advance what kind of death he was going to suffer what kind of death he was going to experience. Jesus told him that he was going to experience the death on the cross. And we do know that Peter was crucified upside down. And it was predominantly on his choice. He was saying, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. I want you to turn it up, turn me upside down. And that's the way. If you, ha if you do not have, and I've mentioned this often, if you do not have Fox's Books of Martyrs, you need to get it. To me, it's the, it's the most cherished book in my library. Fox's Books of Martyrs. It will bless you. It will break your heart. Uh, you will be compelled to pray for believers who are contending for the faith today. It, it will enlighten you of the price that they paid for our faith in years of yesterday. But I want you to remember that, that Jesus told Peter the kind of death he would experience and that he would suffer greatly. And because of that, because Jesus told Peter that he would die. Basically, Jesus was telling Peter, I know you're preaching 
that I'm coming again. And I'll know that you heard me say that I'm coming again. And Peter, you know very well the doctrine of the rapture. But Peter, you will not experience the rapture. Jesus told Peter he was going to die on a cross. That excludes the rapture. So Peter knew that he would not experience that. And by the way, the apostle Paul also knew he would not experience the rapture. And I give you this scripture. We've got to close with this one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. And uh, this is what the apostle Paul said as he's coming down to the final hours of his life. He's saying this, for I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He knew that he was going to the chopping block, that he was going to die. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. That's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. That is the rapture. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So Peter and Paul were both given the assurance. Although they preached the rapture, they taught the rapture, they believed the rapture would take place, they were giving, they were given a prelude to the fact that they would not personally experience it. That they were going to die. They were going to suffer death for the cause of Christ. And so uh, Peter and Paul both, both knew this. One more time, Peter says here in verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle. I'm soon going to die is what he's saying. Even, look at it here, even as our Lord Jesus Christ had showed me. Jesus personally and privately told Peter he was going to die, suffer for the cause of Christ. We're out of time. We've got to stop here. So this is, this is a great study, and uh, this really gets uh, deep, real deep. Well, by the time we get to chapter 2, I'm going I'm to take a, a, a giant leap and uh, tell you um, some things I've never really said outside of my own personal study. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.